they already know what they're doing. They don't need me to show them how to do their jobs. So I really just tried to be a good citizen and play my part soloistically when necessary, but just be a really good chamber musician with the other principals. What's going on, everybody? It is September 28th, 2020, and you are listening to episode 14 of the Candid Clarinetist podcast. Hope everyone's doing well. Uh, my name is Sam Rothstein here with the Candid Clarinetist podcast. And on today's episode, we're going to be talking about strategies when playing as a guest in orchestras and how to approach performing with new groups, ensembles, and colleagues. There are a lot of unanswered questions when you first start out in the professional world as an orchestral musician. Things like, how do you get on the sub list? How to behave around colleagues you don't know very well? Logistical issues like getting music, where do you park, where do you stay, etc. These things aren't really taught in school, and I think it's really important to get answers to these questions before you actually have to live it out yourself. I'm fortunate today to be joined by Andrea Levine, who is who has extensive experience performing with many of the country's best orchestras, and I'm looking forward to discussing these topics with her and getting her advice on this. Andrea is principal clarinet with the Louisville Orchestra, and I'm so happy to have her on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us, Andrea. I am so happy to be here. Thank you, Sam. You're welcome. Yeah, I think that you first came to mind on this topic because I, I always, we have actually never met in person, but I've just always heard your name and everybody knows you and I know you've just played everywhere. So why don't we just like dive right in and like, why don't you just give us a rundown of all the orchestras that you've played with? Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, we're going to have to go back to, uh, way back to the beginning, uh, to 1999 when I won my first orchestra audition in the Akron Symphony while I was doing graduate school at uh, Cleveland Institute of Music. And that was my first professional experience of showing up to work, being a a principal, um, just having the whole work thing. And that quickly, uh, uh, you know, uh, accelerated into uh, a few months later. So that was September of 99. Um, I was 21. Uh, so yes, I'm that old. And uh, <laughs> a few months later, uh, my wonderful uh, mentor, uh, Daniel Gilbert, his, uh, they, he and his wife were having their first baby. And uh, she uh, went into labor on the day that uh, they were having a live broadcast for the reopening of Severance Hall. And so then I was asked uh, last minute to play second in the Cleveland Orchestra uh, the morning of the broadcast. And uh, it was was scary and amazing. And uh, I did my best. So that was my first time playing in the Cleveland Orchestra. I went on tour with them uh, while I was in school as well, subbed there a couple more times. After that, I got into the New World Symphony and uh, was there for about a year. Then I won the audition for um, Louisville. And uh, during that time, I've subbed in the Indianapolis Symphony. Hey. I um, 
<laughs> There's a funny story behind that. Yeah. Um, uh, that was very early on in my time in Louisville. Um, I then, uh, in, this was in 2003, uh, in 2007, I was very fortunate to um, win an interim or acting position as second clarinet in the Cleveland Orchestra for the 2007-2008 season. Uh, so that was amazing. Um, I was uh, still kind of going back and forth that year uh, between Louisville and Cleveland. I did not end up winning the um, permanent audition. Uh, that's, you know, a wonderful player, Rob Wolfrey, won that. Um, but it was still an amazing experience for me. Uh, let's see. After that, um, unfortunately, uh, my orchestra went, the Louisville Orchestra, uh, our management went declared bankruptcy, and we were dark for a full year. That was the 2011-2012 season. But fortunately for me, I was able to win an interim position as second in E-flat in the Colorado Symphony, which was amazing. Um, and then, let's see, um, I came back, continued to play principal here. Um, did some subbing in the Kansas City Symphony, which is awesome. I'm trying to think where else. Am I missing something? Detroit. One of the yeah, of course. Yeah, Detroit came after. I was trying to think if there was something. Oh, else in the interim. Detroit. Yeah, sure. Sub. Yes. So then um, I had been. I, I had gotten a trial week in Detroit in 2014, and uh, of course, my dear friend Ralph Schiano won the job. Uh, he and I each had a trial week and, um, a couple of years went by and he won Cincinnati and went to play there for a year. And they asked me to come and play principal in Detroit for the year, which was amazing. And was, I mean, honestly, the best year of my career. I loved it so much. Um, and, uh, then, oh, before that, yes. Okay, I had gotten a trial week as uh, for principal of Baltimore, uh, and I played there for a week, and that was great. Uh, of course, Yao won the job. He's amazing. Um, that was a really fun experience. I'm trying to think, is there anywhere else that I've subbed? Oh, Cincinnati, of course. Sorry. I'm, I See, I knew there was something else. Mm -hmm. I played uh, guest uh, principal in Cincinnati for... Uh, during the fall of 2016, so that was before I went to Detroit, um, I've also uh, played a lot in uh, festival orchestras. I've played, uh, I've subbed in the Colorado uh, Music Festival. I'm principal of the Artisphere Festival Orchestra, uh, which I've been going to since uh, 2011. Um, and I'm also principal of the Brit Festival Orchestra, which was an audition, uh, I guess, tenure track festival position. I, is there anything I'm leaving out? These things just tend to, I, I just kind of forget. I don't, I don't know why. It's, it's <laughs> well, a memory problem I have. I don't well, know. You probably need to uh, take a deep <laughs> breath after all that because you've certainly yes. uh, been in a lot of places. And I think that's, uh, you know, it, we'll dig into this a little more, but... Um, 
So a lot of these opportunities, you mentioned some of them were because you had auditioned and you got, for example, Detroit was because you had auditioned and progressed very well in the audition. And, and other other ones I'm, I'm assuming were just because you, you knew people or whatever, but can you like sort of uh, describe how you, like the distribution of like how you got the work? Is it from audition placement or do you, uh, is it sort of like half and half auditions, half uh, kind of knowing people? I think that the only one where I subbed, which wasn't from audition placement, was Cincinnati. Um, because in Indianapolis, I had been uh, in the finals for the second position. They didn't hire anyone. This was way back in 2002. Uh, Alciores and I had been in the finals and I ended up coming to Louisville the next season and they were having Louisville was having problems. And I, I was like, is there any chance I could come sub? Mm. Uh, and so that kind of got my foot in the door with an audition. Uh, Cleveland was, uh, an invite only audition, but, uh, for, for the, um, interim position, um, Detroit was an audition. Uh, Baltimore was an audition. Denver was an audition. So they're basically all, I mean, Cincinnati, I was just, I'm kind of here. I, they needed someone. It was, um, the, the assistant principal, uh, was injured and needed, they needed someone to come in and, um, play principal on a bunch of the things he was supposed to do. Mm. So it just kind of, a lot of it has just been from, from auditions, well, um, good for you, because uh, obviously we all know and everyone listening to the podcast knows that auditions are not easy by any stretch. And so for you to achieve that level of consistency, additionally, um, you know, I mean, you're saying you got it from auditioning, but I also know that you have a very high reputation as a person and a colleague. And so you, you don't get that work without ha- without carrying that reputation. So this is all credit to you. And it also goes to show that, you know, just because you don't win an audition, it doesn't mean that you know, everything's lost from it. There, there are always things to gain and not necessarily work, but connections and, and experiences and stuff. And I think that, uh, you are definitely a, a walking example of that, that, uh, you know, your consistency and everything has really paid off for you, uh, throughout your career. So, so congratulations to you for all that success. Thank you. I've just, you know, been lucky in that, in that way, but you know, it's the way it is. So yeah, for Thank sure. You. <laughs> um, so do you have any advice for people who is looking to like perform with an orchestra? So say you graduate school, you maybe haven't had the best success on the audition trail, but now you live in Louisville. What would you appreciate from, you know, a good player as the principal clarinet of the Louisville Orchestra and they were to approach you? Uh, what, what would you appreciate that would sort of sort of get them on your radar? That's a great question. Uh, in our particular instance, uh, we have sublist auditions, uh, but we have a pretty short sublist. So usually it, it, it would help for me to hear the person if we don't have a sublist audition scheduled. Um, so if someone, and this has happened where, uh, someone has reached out to me and, said, I'd, I'd love to sub. Is there any way I can send you uh, samples and of my playing or if I can come play for you? And I, if there's time, I mean, I know how it is. I know, you know, how it, it, it 
how it is to get out of school and to want to work or to have an issue with my, you know, with the, the orchestra that you're working for and you're trying to get more work. Um, and, uh, I think if someone who has, you know, good credentials, uh, just reaches out very, uh, very politely, very, uh, you know, modestly, I guess, and, and says, is there any chance I, I could play for you or send you some, uh, recordings of my work? Uh, would you consider adding me to the sub list? It's always great to be able to meet someone and get a sense of how they are because a personality goes for a lot um, in our business, especially when you're just coming in and uh, working next to someone. Um, but it, I think as long as someone isn't too pushy or, uh, you know, full of themselves, yeah, that, that doesn't help. Right. Uh, but definitely being humble, um, and politely reaching out would mean something to me. Yeah. I, and so. I, I'm going to kind of echo what you said. I know for me, I always appreciate, um, I've had a number of people just send me an email or, you know, uh, a phone call or a text message. They got my information from somebody else and say, Hey, I'm in town. I'm here from so-and-so. Can I come play for you? I'd like to, you know, be considered for the sub list. And I, I've never said no. You yeah, because it's 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 very direct. It's very polite. It's very like, hey, I'm around. I'd like you know to present my work to you. Would you be interested in listening? It's like, I mean, I would never say no to someone like that. Um, you know, the worst mm -hmm. thing that, that could happen is they come in and you're just not interested in having them play. Um, but you you know, we certainly don't lose anything for that. So I think that's really that's really a good advice in terms of just being humble and polite. Um, but it's also you know making people aware that you're around because i think sometimes people kind of wait to get called where it's like you know we don't i don't know you're here <laughs> so exactly yeah yeah i mean i there are people i know are here and i i forget you know or that i know are close and i'm you know like last week i was like oh yeah that person i can't yeah i gotta call sam asking right. so so <laughs> um so, yeah, and but if you do take that route and you call up a principal or someone and just be, and you know, make good use of their time, uh, show up extremely prepared, um, be polite, offer them, you know, obviously offer to, to reimburse them for their time or even if they insist. Even if I say no, and I rarely, if someone comes to play for me, I, I really, if it's a one-time thing, I don't charge them. Um, but it's always nice to be offered something, even if it's a little something from your, you know, hometown or what, like a little souvenir. Uh, just uh, be polite and realize that you are taking someone's time and their time is very valuable and where, you know, how, how busy you get um, working. So just realize, realize that if you reach out to someone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what other kinds of qualities are you looking for? I know you said personality is really huge. And obviously, I, I think that playing is first and foremost, but it's kind of almost 50 50. Because if you if you can't stand working next to someone, it just it doesn't matter how good the playing is, in my opinion. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. There's, you know, there's, there's so much. And uh, I've been thinking a lot about it recently. Um, when you go and sub somewhere, um, my wonderful mentor, uh, Daniel Gilbert, 
um, told me, he compared it once to um, being the new person sitting at a dinner table. Like the whole family's there. They all know each other. They've been sitting at the same dinner table for 10 years. Someone new is at the table. Like they're going to look at them. Everything is going to be different and every move they make is going to be magnified. So if you are, especially if you're playing a second part, um, just try to blend in personality wise as much as you can, uh, realize that it is a team and you're a new person and you may feel like little things that you're doing, uh, you know, outside of playing aren't a big deal, checking your phone or, or little you know, little quirks or movements or, or things like that aren't a big deal, but they do stick out to the people who aren't used to them. Um, realize uh, also that even though it's a huge opportunity for you to sub somewhere, um, you're at someone's normal place of work. They, they're also working, like I'm probably super busy uh, that week. I'm probably playing a big solo um, or some, I don't know, uh, and I, I don't really have, you know, don't, don't ask a lot of people, how do I sound? How am I doing? I, they don't really, it's not a big deal to them. Just kind of take care of those things. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, take care 100%. of those things yourself. Just really blend in. Don't, I'm, I'm just trying to think of things that would really annoy me um, <laughs> if that someone did. I've seen uh, subs basically make a beeline to the podium after every service, which is, that's not why you're there. It might be why you think you're there, but it it's really, maybe you'll make a friend out of the conductor, but you will have no friends in the wind section right. <laughs> if you're that person. Um, trying to think of other stuff. Um, be really nice to the staff, the personnel manager. Um, the person, I, for, for those of you who don't know, um, personnel manager is usually the one who makes the official call to hire you and hands, handles all the uh, uh, workplace uh, payroll stuff. Um, and in orchestras nowadays, even before the pandemic, like, where, you know, they're hiring freezes. If a personnel manager is hiring you for, uh, as an extra, she's he or she is probably hiring 10 or 15 other people for other sections as well. Um, they're not just, their job isn't to make your life as easy as possible that week. Don't you just be as cooperative, be easy, make their job easy because they talk to us. And, you know, I've had our wonderful personnel manager, Adrian say, Oh yeah, that was a tough one. Or, Oh yeah, we want this person back. She was really nice. Um, they it matters and the personnel managers now they're basically like running the show in a lot of orchestras they're helping keep it together so be nice to them um and um i this is a weird thing for me i tend to get distracted really easily when i'm trying to concentrate and focus so don't don't be that person who's always fidgeting and moving stuff around and tapping your foot. And I learned this in the Cleveland orchestra and it seems like in retrospect, it seems like a really stupid thing, but I used to be that person who would try to very subtly count rests 
on my with my fingers. Um, we were playing a really tough piece, and I was trying. I thought I was being secretive, uh, but I was called out on it. It's distracting to people, and so I've made a lot of these mistakes myself. Um, try to be almost invisible to the person while they're playing to the person that you're sitting next to. Cause little things that might help you or you think help you that no one can see, everyone can see and it annoys them if they're not used to it. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else. Well, I think you really um, put it uh, perfectly when you said, I'm trying to think of the things that would annoy me, which in, in that <laughs> sense, it's like, just try to limit like your, uh, presence as much as possible like as much yes. as you can like be out of other people's ways and this is not to like say people are intimidating or scary or they don't want to be friendly because that's not true either i think it's just like the more like the best subs in my opinion or the best extras are people who come in they show up on time they know their part they play it well and they leave they don't cause any extra problems they don't need extra communication they just do that and they're great you know well said yeah. yes exactly that's you said it so much better than i could um i oh yes absolutely showing up on time showing up early don't be the person who i mean everyone has a problem every once in a while and we'll get to to my you know bad history with uh places but um you know there's traffic there are things there are there, there are things that might hold you up, but don't be the person who's always walking in, you know, two minutes before rehearsal, stepping over people to get to your chair because they, we hear about that too. Um, and it's stressful for, for the principal. It's like, is that person going to be here? Or it's stressful to the personnel manager. Um, just show up early. Don't warm up super. Don't bring, you know, your book of etudes and, and warm up on stage. Like, you know, they, you have to warm up a little bit, but just don't don't be super showy. Um, dress professionally and conservatively. Uh, just I, I hate to say it, try not to get noticed. Yeah, exactly. I think that's that's perfect advice. And um, when you're not noticed, you are noticed in a positive way. I think is, exactly. is what you're trying to say. Uh, so yeah, and I think that's all really really excellent advice. And um, I know for sure that I have not followed all of those pieces of advice in the past. Neither have I. <laughs> yeah, and I think that, you know, this is the reason we're having this discussion is to kind of put this yeah. out there. It's just like, here's things to maybe look out for. I know one of my, and, and not to go off on too many tangents, but I know one of my things is like, I'm a very excitable guy. And I know the first couple of times I got called to play with orchestras, I was just very excited and happy to be there. And I wanted to be everyone's friend. And some people love that and some people just don't care for it at all. And I think that um, it's better to wait for people to come to you than for you to go to them. So that's just a that's one of my personal anecdotes where, um, you know, maybe I erred in the past and I've certainly learned from that. Um, so anyways, um, I digress. Uh, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm right there. I'm right yeah. there with you. You know, I. Yeah, just trying to you're just so excited to be there. Um, and you're trying to make connections. Just try to blend in. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's switch gears a little bit. Uh, you've obviously played uh, different parts in the orchestra. I, have you played much E flat? I, I, I'm not. I haven't. I guess you did in Colorado. I have. Yeah. Yeah, I have played some E flat. Cool. Um, yeah. So 
obviously playing second and playing principal and playing E flat, playing bass clarinet, all very, very different. Um, what are the challenges do you find with, you know, say you're going into a new orchestra with a new section, you have to play second clarinet. What, is, what are the challenges of that particular situation, whereas versus if you were to play principal clarinet in that same situation? Well, uh, just to use an example, uh, when I would go and play uh, second sometimes in Kansas City to uh, Raymond Santos, who is an amazing player, fabulous, yeah. uh, great guy, and uh, I just, I, honestly, I really just liked going there and playing second a couple times a year uh, because it made me just from my perspective, it made me use my brain differently. It showed me things that I could do better, like listening to him um, as a principal, ways that I could be clearer uh, to a second player. Uh, it showed, playing second showed me, you know, just the challenges that they have. Um, but mostly when I go in to play second, um, I did a little bit in Detroit, actually, last time I went and subbed there in January of this year. And um, I played assistant principal, but I did play second on a Pops concert just for fun. Mm -hmm. And it's I approach that always initially very conservatively. Um, you don't want to be the second player who's uh, doing their own thing and playing. Obviously, it goes without saying who's playing too loud. I'd rather play too softly than too loud and then grow from there. Um, and you, you just don't want to get in the way you you're, you're listening. It is the epitome of being a team player and the epitome of it not being about you anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and you have to really just listen and almost be an echo. I mean, there are times there are definitely second parts where you have to trade off and, um, compliment or help the the first player by giving them something to listen for but uh you really have to take a step back i also just like to position myself so i can see the first player a little bit better um that helps me and you just have to take the focus off of yourself and just be someone's shadow yeah for sure in that instance and then how um, about when you're playing principal well uh it's a, like it's a really the situation I had in Detroit, I, I go back to that. I was thinking about that a little bit today. Um, I, if you're going to play guest principal, even if it's for a year, I kind of went into that thinking I am going there to fill the voice of principal. I'm not going there to make executive decisions. I'm not going there to teach people how to play or how, you know, to make myself heard. I am just... I'm going there to fit into what they're doing uh, as a principal voice as much as possible. Um, and they, they already know what they're doing. They don't need me to show them how to do their jobs. So I really just tried to be a good citizen and play, play my part soloistically when necessary, but just be a really good chamber musician with the other principals. Uh, that was just really what I tried to do in that instance. And obviously in audition situations, if you're having a trial week, you're just always prepared backwards, forwards with everything. Um, 
in, in a new situation, no matter how much work and time it takes. Um, and just, uh, try to fit in as seamlessly as possible because you just, you don't want to get sent home. You yeah. don't want to get sent home early. So, For sure. um, yeah, that's as far as principle, that's just what, what I tried to do. Yeah. And I really liked what you said, just be a good citizen. And I think that I, I had the fortune of, of playing uh, a week with Detroit as well as, as assistant principal. Yes. I think it was a couple of weeks after you were there. Um, but uh, that's kind of what I tried to do was just like, if people, if, if they want something from me, they'll come and ask, but it's not my job to like do, do anything. You know, it's my job to lead the section, but it's not my job to boss them around. You know, exactly. And so you just have to be kind of fit in this way. And, and when people come to you, hey, can you do this here and do this here? And oftentimes people take criticism personally as it's like a critique on your playing. And oftentimes it's just the your situation that you're in. So like in Detroit, their hall and the way they play is much different than like my hall and the way that we play. And, uh, you know, so a few of them, you know, came up to me, hey, can you do this here? Yeah, sure, of course. And then it's, but that's yes. that's your job when you're a guest is is to just be amenable and be a good person and, you know, be a good citizen. I think you put it perfectly. I, I mean, amenable is, is just a great word. Just be easy to work with and uh, don't stir anything up. Right. You know, <laughs> don't stir the pot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I just talked about concert halls, but... I think you have a really unique uh, perspective because you have literally played in two of the best concert halls in the country. I mean, Severance Hall and then, um, oh gosh, I'm forgetting. Is it Ford Hall in Detroit? Is that what it's called? Yes. Uh, it's, it used to be, they used to play in Ford Hall. Now I think it's just Orchestra Hall. Orchestra Hall. I think. So anyways, yeah. those are two of the best concert halls in the world. Um, so, and you've also played in other halls, which I'm assuming are not that quality um so how much do you feel <laughs> you're laughing um so how much do you feel like the hall affects the sound of an orchestra well um it's interesting that affects the sound of an orchestra it's such a unique thing because in detroit my uh because they live stream so much stuff uh my concern was uh, live streaming is such a big part of their uh their brand and their their reputation now um, a lot of it was making sure that I sounded good on those and that, um, you know, for where those mics are placed and how that gets, uh, transmitted. Um, the hall, some places it's, it's tough. You can't really go in expecting to nail it from the beginning. Um, you have to go in to a new hall with some flexibility, um, you can know a little bit about it. I mean, filling a large hall like uh, an orchestra hall in Detroit was interesting uh, because I thought, oh, well, if I, you know, use a more resistant setup, I can really play for the, the large hall. But then it's one of those things. And I don't know if you noticed this, too, but as more people would get on stage, your read would feel more and more resistant. Mm -hmm. Um so it's really sometimes there are things that you just don't know until you get there. So you have to have a lot of options. Um, and a lot of it is the hall, but a lot of it is also the climate, the weather, um, just uh, what kind of setup you have versus how that orchestra, what kind of sound they produce, how the section plays. Really, 
if I'm going to play somewhere new, I'm really just looking to have as much flexibility as possible with my setup, have as many options as I can read wise, not make any huge changes in equipment, um, if at all possible going into it. And then once I'm there, if I have a little time, then making the adjustments. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answers the question, but no, sure. Um, yeah, absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, you also had the opportunity or fortune or however you want to put it of playing at altitude, which is a yes. whole nother situation. Uh, for those who haven't done that before, it is jarring how different it is. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's weird. Like also the summer festival I play at Brit, it's very dry there and a little bit at altitude. So it's one of those things where I've thought about having an actual like Brit setup where I, I, I hesitate to say maybe, maybe even a, a synthetic reed type setup because I, and not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just very different from what I currently play on all the time, but having something that just works there because it's very frustrating and very, uh, it can be very frustrating and challenging. Um, but, um, yeah, altitude is, it, it's, it's not as bad as you think the first day. Yeah. And then it, for me, yeah. then you're there. I don't know what happens. Maybe your reads change on day two and then it's like, Oh, yeah, choose I your need... own adventure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, so auditions at altitude haven't been the worst for me, but then you stay there a little bit and you got to make a lot of changes. Yeah, for sure. I am. And I think so. too, uh, you know, going back to the hall, I think that the way that you perceive sound in different halls is really different. So the first time I really experienced this was uh, obviously in Indianapolis. We pretty much play in the same hall year round. Like we don't really play in a lot of different venues. Uh, and then we went on tour to the Kennedy Center. Well, tour, it was like one concert. Um, and everyone always complains about the Kennedy Center stage, about how it's bad or they can't hear very well or whatever. I've just, I've just heard it's not a good hall. I could hear everything at the Kennedy Center. And in my hall in Indianapolis, I can't hear anything. And so it was really strange to me. And the orchestra, to me, sounded completely different. And the reason I had this experience is because, obviously, you sit next to these people every day. You play the same music every day with the same people. So you're perceiving things one way, and then you just get put in a different building, and all of a sudden you're perceiving the orchestra completely differently. It's wild. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. And, you know, going on tours, uh, like when I, uh, the year I played in Cleveland, we went on a two European tours and playing some of the best halls in the world. And it's just so interesting to see how different people adjust and what their routine is. There are people who spend a lot of time right before the concert. There are people who change their setup uh, in each place. They really think about it. I, I, it's, it's just, it's fascinating to, to see some people just, you know, fly by the seat of their pants show up and do the best they can. Um, and it works. It just depends on what works for you. Um, but I, I, I've had the fortune or I guess misfortune or however you look at it in Louisville of playing in so many different places. Um, we mainly play at the Kentucky center, um, which is a multi-purpose hall. Um, 
but we play all over the the city at different different venues. So I'm always dealing with something different. And I've kind of gotten used to that and not to expect perfection, but to expect something, you know, to do the best I can. Yeah. And, um, and I think it's important too. and and then we'll end this rabbit hole because we could go on and on and on about this. I'm sure oh my gosh, you and I especially. And days. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for you, especially playing in all those different places, I bet you are incredibly dialed in to just how you feel things and not necessarily like the yeah. response you get. And that's super critical is just knowing how you feel and how you can, you know, not just relying on what you're getting back, but re relying on like what you feel in terms of how you play. Yes. Yes. So much of it is comfort, um, in a new place and then dealing with the greater issues of how you sound later. Uh, so I just really aim to be able to get a response, especially when you're playing principal with a new conductor and they give you a downbeat and they expect to hear something immediately. So that's the big priority for me as far as playing in a new place is that is response and core in the sound and being being able to also tune very pretty easily to people because that's very important um and then if i can get some kind of control over all of those things as much as you can with uh reads um then i try to work from there yeah but those response and control of sound and intonation are the key things for me in the beginning. Absolutely. So let's get into a little bit of the nuts and bolts. Uh, say you're playing with a different orchestra. So is it your preference to stay with a friend or stay with somebody or to get your own place to stay? Um, if I, I would rather not inconvenience people. That's kind of the way I am. Even unless it's like my best friend is playing in that orchestra then I might stay with that person. But um, I'd rather stay on my own. And then, because you're, you're kind of playing a role when you're at work. And you're trying, as, as we talked about before, trying to be as uh, splendid as much as possible, be as amenable as possible. And it takes work. And at the end of the day, you don't want to go to work disguised as, as staying, you know, as, as disguised as stay, you know, staying at someone's house, mm -hmm. basically. Um, cause that's it. being nice to people that you don't know. It's also work. You just want to go home, go to, or go to your hotel, your Airbnb or whatever, and chill out, eat pizza and watch bad TV or something. Yeah. Um, or work on all the things that maybe you weren't able to get in the rehearsal, but you don't want people who are potentially colleagues to hear that. Um, and, uh, it's, it's also, um, I, I wouldn't stay with someone in the clarinet section or in whatever section that you're subbing in, um, unless again, they're your best friend. Um, it's just, it's work for them. It's, it's work for you. It's kind of awkward. Uh, granted I have stayed with clarinet players in sections that I'm subbing with, right. <laughs> but they're really good friends and they're like, they're like, no, you have to stay with me. No, you're not staying. They insist. So I'm like, okay. Um, but if I'm going to a place where I'm, you know, they've been kind enough to call me to come in, but I really don't know anyone there. I'm staying by myself somewhere. Yeah. And just seeing them at work. 
I'm with you there for sure. Um, and, yeah. and also as an aside, I'm, I'm also a proponent of not staying with people or relatives for auditions, but that's a whole nother, another thing. I just that, have your yeah. own space. It's very important. So I will hop off my pedestal, but that is just a little nugget of advice. That no, I have. <laughs> very good advice. Yeah. Very good advice. Um, and we touched Absolutely. on this a little bit, but, um, where do you get information on like parking and like logistics and stuff? You mentioned the, the magical person known as the personnel manager. And I think that's probably a good place to start. Yes. Um, send a very polite email asking for those details. Usually they'll just, they have something already printed out about that. Um, I wouldn't bother people in the orchestra, like musicians about that stuff. Cause that's not really their job. And they're probably, you know, just trying to get through the day. Um, yeah, I would just uh, ask the personnel manager about all that stuff and try to do as much uh, detective work on your own about that. Um, just make it as easy as possible for the people you're going to work for. Yeah, fantastic advice. And I, you said this, but a lot of times that when they send you your initial stuff, it'll have all that stuff in there. And so yes. if you have to like send another email with something that was already sent to you, it's it's already not you know, you're not starting off on like the best foot. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's not uh, that you don't want to be the one that they have to repeat everything to. Right. Exactly. Um, and then you mentioned this as well, but like uh, dress code, like I know, and this is, this is more for like, uh, you know, recent graduates, because for me, obviously band and orchestra when I was growing up was always a social thing. Right. So it was always very casual. And even in school, it was a social thing. It, you know, concerts, we wear our tuxes or whatever. But like dressing up for a rehearsal was never a thing in college. Right. Because we're in college. Right. Yeah. You're going to class. You're you know, you're just doing your thing. I say uh, it's it's a job. I mean, it's it's a workplace. And, you know, there are plenty of people who come to work, play in the orchestra. They show up in sweatpants or they show up in. Who knows what? Um, and that's uh, that's clearly their choice. But if you're going to uh, play somewhere new, uh, you want to make a good impression, dress. You don't have to wear a suit and tie, but um, just look maybe business casual. I don't like um, dress conservatively, respectfully, modestly. I you know, um, you're not, again, you're not there to show off. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really what I, what I would say. Uh, try to look at how some of the people you respect the most act and dress in the orchestra, how they, uh, uh, behave themselves and try to emulate that if you have any question about it. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect advice. Um, so before we get to our, our final question, I just want to know, you mentioned that Detroit, uh, that year in Detroit was just like probably the best year of your career, at least. Um, but what are some, do you have any other, or maybe specific concert from that year or any other favorite experiences playing with, you know, orchestras other than the one of, the, of course, your own that you, that you play with on a regular basis? Yeah, I, um, it was just so great during that that whole year uh, playing in Detroit, it was so wonderful because um, I, I, just from my point of view, they really want to see uh, their musicians be successful. So getting time in the hall 
is was pretty easy. Um, you know, getting time to try things on stage or, you know, trying to record yourself in the hall or even getting little snippets of, uh, the, um, live stream so you can hear how you're sounding. I was just, it was, they want to help you do the best job that you can. It was such a great environment. Like you could go to the hall and practice, uh, in, in different practice rooms. And it was, it was just a great experience. And, um, I don't think I mentioned this before. Uh, one of the best times I had there, um, my my aunt uh, is a retired bass player from the New York Philharmonic, and she uh, she's been retired for ten years, hasn't touched her bass since her last concert. Um, and but she's very into the music. She's very into watching the live streams, listening to any broadcasts. Um, and it was just so great that she, and she wasn't in the best of health, but she was able to, she, yeah, I played Shostakovich 10 and she was like, I'm going to, I, from watching the live stream, she was like, I want to go there. I want to be there. Mm -hmm. And so she came to the concert. I, she, she came up to Detroit. It was really tough to, for her to travel. And it was just so great. It, it's so great to have family and people who maybe don't get to like my nieces and nephews who, don't get to to hear you play live ever you know uh they live across the country they could tune in and see what you do and it just it means so much uh and it really lifted my spirits that year to to know that people i really cared about were able to s see me perform even though they couldn't be there yeah that's um, so cool does that answer the question no i mean but, it just seems like that whole year was just wonderful for you and you know i could speak for, yeah. for being there i mean you can't get a better a orchestra place. and you can't get better people uh, a yeah. collection so um yeah that's that's awesome and and so cool that your aunt came to see you i know i'll speak for myself yeah. but uh i i it's always special when my wife's in the audience always of course um, yeah yeah just makes the performances a little more meaningful and just knowing that there's someone out there that's literally there to just to hear you that's all that's the only reason yes. there. so it's pretty yes. cool it means so much yeah so do you have uh i guess to, to wrap everything up do you have any just things we didn't cover in terms of playing with different groups or whatever or uh just any stories you want to share or you know i'll just i'll give you the floor for a little while here um you know as far as just playing in different groups uh kind of my I guess the theme of the evening for me is just see it from their side and, you know, imagine if you're in their position, would you want to hire you again? Would you, you know, don't try to just be your best self. Um, this is like general job advice, really. Um, just do be as kind as you can be as polite as you can. Um, and I hate to use the, you know, be kind. It's so, it's so trite and, uh, you know, such a cliche nowadays, but, um, do the best you can. Don't rely on them to tell you what you're doing wrong. Uh, don't say, well, I can see if I can get away with this and they'll tell me if they don't like it. They probably won't. You just won't get called again. <laughs> right. Um, so, or you will get tenure or something. Don't just... Be your best self. Uh, use your judgment from different people's perspectives. 
and uh, just don't take anything for granted. Yeah. That's it's really the best advice I could give. I'm trying to think if there's anything else I've missed or any anything else I wanted to talk about. But I think you were very kind to just let me ramble for, oh, for no, this it's, entire it's, time. It's, it's wonderful to hear your experiences. And I think, too, um, that you you kind of had this overarching theme over the whole thing is that it's, it's really a privilege to get to play with, with yes. groups that aren't your own. I mean, it's a privilege to get to play with your own group as well. But um, so treat it as such. Um, nobody deserves anything in this industry. Mm-hmm. It's all earned. And I think that, um, you know, we're always lucky to get those opportunities uh, no matter where or how they come from. And so uh, I, I, I've definitely noticed speaking to you that you feel the same exact way about that. Yeah, whatever orchestra it is, if they've asked you to come play there and you've said yes, go there, you know, with the don't take nothing for granted. Even if it's, if I, you know, you go and play in a per service orchestra or something, they're having, you're their guest and just take it seriously always. Yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah. So right before we leave, I always give my guests this opportunity, uh, and, and you you can pass it up or take it if you'd like. So do you have any last words, shout-outs, pieces of advice, or words of wisdom? It doesn't have to be on this topic. It can just be anything. Shout-outs. This is going to sound like I'm about to accept an award, but I <laughs> um, I just uh, I really want to thank all my, uh, my mentors, uh, if they're listening, of course, um, Mitchell Estrin was a wonderful teacher to me in school. Uh, I don't know if you, uh, have met him. He teaches in, uh, Florida and, um, he, you know, all of my, all of my teachers played in orchestras and I lived, you know, and, and learned from them seeing how people interacted with them and how much respect people had for them. And it, it really taught me uh, everything I needed to know. And I, I learned from all of them, uh, probably in playing in the Cleveland orchestra, um, uh, Daniel Gilbert, uh, just has been such an inspiration to me and has treated me like family. Frank Cohen, you just learn everything, you know, just from sitting, sitting next to him and, and hearing him, hearing him play, uh, Linnea taught me, I didn't even, so many of the things that I learned, um, Sorry, my headphone fell out. Uh, so many of the things I learned about uh, comportment and etiquette, I learned from her. Just, you know, things that I never would have thought of. Um, Dan McElway, all those guys, they're just great. Um, and, uh, of course, uh, my teacher from Eastman, Ken Grant. Uh, what a character, but gosh, what a what a player. What, you know, what a great teacher. Um, and... Just all the class acts out there uh, who I've gotten to to meet and work with over the years, like uh, Ellie Ebon, and uh, I'm try- I'm, I know I'm forgetting people. Uh, Ralph, my dear friend, uh, you know there are just so many I can't even. I've I've listed basically almost everyone in the clarinet industry, um, and of course your your predecessor, Mike Borchell was very kind to Fabulous. me when I subbed. Yeah. 
when I subbed in Indianapolis. So um, just, and of course, my wonderful colleagues in Louisville. Okay, I've thanked everyone on earth. I'm sorry, but. No, it's okay. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I really do feel like I need to hand you a, like a Grammy through the, through the screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's just, I, I mean, it's really been fascinating speaking to you. We don't know each other that well, and it's just been uh, great to hear all your experiences and, and wonderful advice for young players or experienced players or people looking to, you know, expand their careers. I mean, it's just fantastic advice. So thank you, Andrew, so much for being on. It's just been really wonderful, and I hope that uh, we get to play together soon. Uh, I don't know when that might be, but it would be fantastic. We're yeah. gonna keep asking you. Okay. So and, I hope that you can. And when we get try. back to work, I need to return the favor. So. Oh uh, well, you know, <laughs> that's you know, make my triumphant return. That's but right. We'll see. <laughs> yeah. we'll see. Uh, thank you so much for having me on here. This is such a great podcast. I love what you're doing with with this. I love listening to the the ones that you've had already. Some of them are my dear friends who I've already thanked. Uh, and. Uh, yeah, good luck with this. You're doing a great thing. Thanks, Andrea. Appreciate it. And for our new listeners out there, please make sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram at The Candy Clarinetist, subscribe to our YouTube channel, and follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thecandyclarinetist. If you haven't checked out our new website, I would also encourage you to do that at candidclarinetistpodcast.com. Once again, I am Sam Rothstein, and thanks for tuning in to The Candy Clarinetist Podcast.